Hello everyone, I'm back. Um, this week was supposed to be a group episode, um, but it turns out we're going to do that next week. So you, sh you can look forward to that for next week. Um, as a result of that, I don't really have anything prepared. You know, I've been busy with like school and with, with streaming and all. Um, so one of my uh, distant cousins, um, who is still in the old world, um, who also has his own little like politics thing. He writes, you know, like um, opinion pieces. His name is uh, Maximilian von Stoneshire. Um, he's a part of the family that didn't move to the New Worlds and um, stayed landed aristocrats. Um, he he offered to um, come on and read one of his pieces. Now, I, I I don't really agree with him on most issues. He's still like a, a, a conservative. But I didn't really have anything prepared. And, and he had a piece, um, haven't looked at it really, um, that's a defense of the guillotine. And I thought that was, oh, you know, the guillotine is based. And um, I, I've seen all the left Twitter memes and it's super cool. So I thought I might as well just play it on the, the main episode. Um, and then we can talk about it and analyze it on uh, the Patreon episode. $2 a month on my Patreon. So yeah, without further ado, he also sounds exactly like me and uses the same microphone. So um, you, you'll tell when, when it starts obviously, when I play the, the audio clip of him reading it out. Um, and yeah, without further ado, um, here is Maximilian. A common issue, it seems, placed at the feet of those who happen to be in charge, is exactly how to end the lives of those who are supposed to die. Of pharaonic despots, Roman consuls, German kaisers, and revolutionary committees alike. This is a constantly recurring conundrum within the affairs of a state, and has made the business of any sorry individual who happens to be running it. It may sound strange to describe it so mundanely, but in the grand scheme of things, it isn't anything more significant than the rest of the scheduled, ordered, bureaucratic rigmarole required to make the world work. Just as an essential mass of raw goods are harvested, combined on assembly lines that putter and spew out products, and then are lined up and delivered to consumers, so too are gavels banged, papers signed and stamped and filed, and then a poor few are lined up and uh, delivered to God. It is unfortunate, but it happens to be required for the sake of the continuation of civilized society. Nothing to be sad about, unless you're one of them. Nothing to cry over, or pout, or put all of one's energy into preventing. Such a life would be a waste, and it could only make things worse. We shouldn't be so mad at those who out of the goodness of their heart, have borne the cross of order and civilization, and in doing so, have been forced to handle that endless river of malcontents. There are many different ways to ensure that people who need to disappear permanently for the sake of society do so. The medieval strategies, for instance, were quite colorful. 
the monarch's power did not merely end life, but also put on a show. One particular case, in 1757, popularized by Foucault, involved an account that was quite brutal. Someone, quotes, was conveyed in a cart to the Place de Greve, where the flesh was torn from his breasts, arms, thighs, and calves with red-hot pincers. I apologize for reading any section of this quote, and it is much longer and even more gratuitous, as I am only today speaking of the necessary nature of the removal of particular lives, and not the unnecessary intimate details of these acts. These medieval methods ought to strike one as excessive, of course. Louis XV and his administrators, who orchestrated the act, understood a necessity of governance, but most definitely went too far. And imagine how terrifying it might be if all the potential dissidents looked to their left and their right, and collectively exercised the anger they would likely feel at seeing such a spectacle as this. We know where that got Louis XV's son. Thankfully, for all those who simply must have their life undone for the necessities of governance, the Enlightenment brought a civilized tolerance to this crucial activity. God bless them for it. It makes the act of abrogating life so much easier without all that barbaric torture. Immanuel Kant, who can only be described as the most seminal intellectual of his historical period, was comparatively quite soft on this matter compared to those around him. He was a rational man, of course, and understood the necessities for confiscating life, writing that, quote, even if a civil society were to be dissolved by the consent of all of its members, the last murderer remaining in the prison would first have to be executed, so that each has done to him what his deeds deserve and blood guilt does not cling to the people for not having insisted upon this punishment, for otherwise the people can be regarded as collaborators in this public violation of justice. Nevertheless, Kant looked at the excessive, torturous devices and methods of his historical age and understood that something was wrong. He argued that, quote, there can be disgraceful punishments that dishonor humanity itself, such as quartering someone, having him torn by dogs, cutting off his nose and ears. Not only are such punishments more painful than loss of possessions and life to those who love honor, who claim the respect of others, as everyone must, they also make a spectator blush with shame as belonging to a species that can be treated that way. Thank the Lord that Kant's Enlightenment sensibilities came about at the time that they did. He added such a reasonable touch to that necessary task required for civilization. And thank the stars for men like Joseph Ignace Guillotine, who had proposed to the Revolutionary National Assembly that the device that would soon be an eponym of his name be implemented to deal with civilization's heaviest deed. He famously remarked in this assembly that, quote, Now, with my machine, I cut off your head in the twinkling of an eye, and you never feel it. What a wonderful device the guillotine is. What better evidence of the rational disposition gifted to European civilization by the Enlightenment than this device's widespread use? We must thank most significantly not Kant or guillotine, although the end of irrational medieval barbarism still owes an unpayable debt to these two, but instead Antoine Louis, the guillotine's inventor. Antoine had, of course, developed this device to be used for King Louis XVI's service, and not, as history would eventually have it, on him, and it is regrettable that 
When Guillotine had proposed the device's use, he had done so not to the king and his representatives, but instead to those who would soon use this device to annul these noblemen's lives. While the radical Republicans had undoubtedly gone a little overboard, we can again thank the Enlightenment sensibilities of Kant, Guillotine, and Antoine Louis, among others, for ensuring the implementation of the guillotine for civilization's most essential task. In fact, a popular phrase uttered by the unruly mobs of the early revolution was, to the lamppost, string them up. Imagine what they would have done without the Enlightenment. We can be thankful that the insatiable bloodlust, which paved the way for our modern bourgeois republics, had at least been dulled by the sharp blade of a guillotine. We conservatives should not be so hard on the guillotine. We should not let those radicals claim it too quickly. Its use ensures nothing less than an efficient and merciful method of fulfilling that most crucial task given to civilized societies, the neutralization of malcontents. I certainly wish it had not debuted its wonderful capacity at the time which it had, but nevertheless, we must not look at the spectacle of its origin but instead its general use. Was it not the guillotine that helped introduce Frank Afrique to civilization? Idealists may call it colonization, and we all certainly wish this process could have been more peaceful, but the introduction of civilization to these regions required that the lives of certain people had to be concluded early. And thank God for the guillotine, for it was the primary method of bringing about the early end of those who had to perish in the colonial situation. The special powers of French Algeria could only have been exerted alongside the sharpened edge of this device. And to think, the anarchic idealists who celebrated Frank Afrique's independence had cheered on the imagery that had been an essential tool in binding these two continents' destinies together for so long. Surely, the remaining royals and aristocrats of the world would naturally cringe at the thought of celebrating the guillotine's widespread use. And it is quite a shame that their ancestors had to be withdrawn from this earth by the necessities of governance in the late 18th century. But I must emphasize that if an aristocrat, even a French one, could somehow look through their ancestral memories, they would far more often than not find this device being used for the benefit of their social class, and not, as it is typically imagined, to its detriment. What a shock it may be for many that a majority of those in history who had shuddered upon hearing the phrase bring out the guillotine had not been, as one might imagine, kings and royal collaborators, but instead petty criminals and enemies of the state. The guillotine is an incredible tool for governance, really, especially after the bourgeois class had come to their senses and allied with the aristocracy. These upstarts had initially been a little over-enthusiastic about the device's use. These upstarts had initially been a little over-enthusiastic about this device's use, although even within the French Revolution, a majority of those who had the guillotine used on them had themselves been proles. But we can thank the stars that they would later come to their senses and use this device more reasonably. Was it not those anarchic proletarians in the Paris Commune who seized the Parisian guillotine and smashed it to pieces? Oh, that proletariat, how much better they were under the guidance of the early bourgeois class, who had managed to subdue their worst qualities, like a father guiding his newly born son 
the bourgeois had entered into an alliance with the crude proletarian mobs of the early 19th century that had only desired anarchy and the abolition of class, and instead molded them into a useful tool for the early development of bourgeois politics. But in the Paris Commune, this early honeymoon of the two classes was no more. And how awful the proletariat had become after they started acting autonomously, destroying that incredible device that had most efficiently revoked life in the French Revolution and beyond. All because these revolutionaries had viewed the guillotine to be a symbol of bourgeois despotism. Surely, the obviously stated intention of this act was to do away with that most essential task of civilization, which had at this point become excellently aided by the guillotine. The main difference, I believe, between the French Revolution and the Paris Commune was that the former were willing to bear the responsibilities of civilization, and the latter merely turned away from them, unable to do that solemn deed which has been necessary since the invention of society. For it was the proletariat who had, due to their failings, I'm sure, grown resentful of civilization and of being the primary demographic that had been subject to liquidation by that great device. God bless our holy and complicated division of labor, especially around the crucial task of concluding on another's life. For only a scorned few have to see the realities of what it is like to ensure that another man has his life set aside permanently. Even those few have had their jobs made far more efficient, far less messy because of the guillotine. You may think of me as a cynic, but I retort that I am only a realist. Some respond, like those in the Paris Commune, that it is, in fact, no one who has to have their life cancelled out early for the sake of society. But could one possibly imagine such a society even beginning to function? I agree that this deed is regrettable, but there is nothing one can really do about it. This is what the bourgeois class had learned, being responsible businessmen, upon taking power in the French Revolution, and it is clearly something that those useless proles could never come to understand on their own. I am writing today to advise all my fellow-minded conservatives. Celebrate the guillotine, for it is on your side and only the naive revolutionary who somehow conjures up the absurd assertion that hierarchy and order are not essential parts of society could possibly denounce this device's incredible capabilities. So, yeah, um, it's Liv, it's back again. Um, that was definitely different than I expected it to be from, from my, my distant relative Maximilian. Um, but I guess we can, we can talk about it a bit on uh, the premium episode for, for $2 a month, patreon.com slash levegar. Thank you to Please Don't Fire Us um, for supporting me on Patreon. Next week, um, I will have uh, guests on again, um, and, we, and we will have um, actually prepared content by um, leftists. Um, please don't cancel me for, I guess, um, uh, platforming uh, conservatives. Um, but yeah, I'll see you. I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about this piece on the premium episode, and I'll see you next week.